Praise God. Oh, glory. Glory. Mm. You know, I've noticed, I've done it, so have you, something we all do, because the news comes on at 10 o'clock, and we watch the news, and then we go to bed. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> no. That's you know. not how bad your life was that day. <laughs> you know, There's a lot, and I, I mean a lot, of Bible teachers that are teaching about our society, about what's going on, about what is happening. And, you know, the Bible says that in the end of time, as we approach that point where all of this is going to wrap up, that it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Yes. And, you know, the, the paganism, which means the witchcraft, the demonic activity. And unless you're burying your head in the sand, I mean, we are watching all of this kind of stuff go on. I mean, we've got a, a society that is, it's godless, it's sensual, it's without natural affection. There's perversion of every kind. People are power hungry, money hungry. In America, we're seeing, and really it's not just America, it's around the world. We're seeing civil unrest, and that's being goaded on by different people, but, or, or pushed. We're watching a moral breakdown, an all-out assault on the family. I mean, we've realized now that they're teaching CRT, critical race theory, in our schools, uh, gender identity. I mean, you know, well, since when does a five-year-old have to worry about what gender he is? Amen. Amen. Okay, I'll, I'll get on another. Yeah. The economy's on a roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, it's got more dips, turns, upside downs than the newest coaster at Silver Dollar. On the world stage, they're talking about being on the brink of nuclear war. We've got the tensions with North Korea, Iran, Israel, Russia, China. Places we thought were safe havens like the school and a church at times turn into shooting galleries. That's right. Is anybody feeling extremely encouraged by my message yet? <laughs> I don't think so. So you know what? We're going to get there because God's got a word for you this morning. Amen. You haven't done this in a while. You need to do this. I need to do it. Hold your Bible up, whether it's on your phone or your or a paper, whether it's e version or tree version, and say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. It's God's holy word. I can have what it says. I. I can have what it says. I can have. I am what it says. I am what it says. I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess, my mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by His Spirit. Glory to God. Amen. 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 In Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, I think it's back there, Brandon. 
If it's not, well, listen close. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought unto him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. I'm going to teach you something a little bit this morning. Some of, most of you probably know it, but I'm going to remind us. One of the powerful ways to study something in Scripture is to read it in all three of the synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John kind of did his own thing. I'm mean, all under the inspiration of God. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, really many times they'll tell the, the same incident and a lot of people always say, well, they, they contradict each other. No, they don't. They complement each other. Yes. I mean, we could have, you know, a parade outside and, you know, get three of us given a description of that parade and one person would say, man, did you see those beautiful horses? And somebody else would say, well, I noticed that beautiful float. And somebody else would say, yeah, but I saw the clown. Yeah. <laughs> it's different perspectives. But it's inspired by God. Amen. And that's really what you're seeing. Now, I'm not going to take the time somebody say praise God. But if we did, we'd be here a lot longer. And, and I don't want you to have to endure sound doctrine. So, but if you read this in all three of them, what's neat is you go into this incident. And in Luke, Luke brings out one verse. And it's, it's awesome to me because it just stands out every time I read it. He's telling about how Jesus is in this place and he's teaching and all these leaders of, of the religious uh, Jews are there. And, and, and matter of fact, the crowd is so thick that you can't even walk through it. And, and we, we don't understand that. I mean, you know, uh, even, if, even if we put all of us in the center section this morning... I guarantee you there'd be somebody either have their purse on the chair next to them or their Bible or, or you know, but we, we, we got space. In America, we have my space. I've been in some countries, you don't have no space. You're crammed in there like sardines in a little can. And, and you know, but if you ever want to kind of get a picture, that's exactly the way that this was. They, they were just crowded in there together because we're fixing to get in there and you'll see why they, they couldn't get the man to Jesus. But Luke brings out something that the other ones don't. He says the power of God was present to heal. Hmm. But yet with a huge crowd, no one was being healed. Unbelief will stop the healing power of God. Say, well, how do I know if it's God's will to heal? 
Well, look at Jesus. He's the express image of the Father. Yes, and He said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I say, hear my Father say. And Jesus never did look at one of them and say, no, 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 you, 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 you better go take care of this and then I'll heal you. He never did that. He always healed. It's always God's will to heal. Amen? Now, sometimes it's a struggle, and sometimes we got to fight our way through it, but it's always God's will to heal. So, you know, uh, do we struggle with sickness? Do we struggle with infirmity? It's a good place to say amen. Yes, yes we do. If we didn't have sickness and infirmity, we would not need healing. Amen? But we need it in this life, you know. And... Uh, you're not going to need to be healed when you get to heaven. Somebody say amen. Yeah. All right. So that, that's Luke when he tells that account. And by the way, that's in Luke chapter 5. In Mark chapter 2, Mark also tells it. And, and he goes through you know, a different perspective, a little bit of the story and what have you. But one thing Mark brings out is that Jesus preached the Word to them. You ever wonder how much... You know, there's a Scripture that actually says... If everything Jesus said was recorded, there's not enough room to hold all the books. What did He teach? What was He teaching? Well, maybe He was redoing the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe He was telling the story of the prodigal. We don't know what He taught. The Bible doesn't tell us right here. But we know that what He was doing was preaching God's Word to them. And you know what? We don't need man's opinion. You don't need Wilson's opinion. I tease a lot of times and say, you know, I'm going to give you Wilsonology. But really what we need, we, we, need, we need God's Word. Amen? Amen. Because right. this Word that God gives us is quick and powerful. And it's the Word that sets us free. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Now, Matthew is where I want to focus. And I want us to just really look at what is being said and, and, and what Matthew is by the inspiration of the Spirit is telling us that Jesus said. Now we know that they bring in this man in and just kind of I'll do that a little bit better here in just a minute but they're bringing this paralytic man to Jesus we already know because the Bible says so that the power of God was present to heal, but yet no one was being healed because no one was releasing their faith until these four friends brought in the paralytic man. They couldn't get there because the area was so crowded. The house he was in was so crammed full of people. They couldn't get even through a door. They couldn't get through a window. They couldn't get in anyway. So they went up on the house and they tore the roof off and then they lowered the man on his, on his bed down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, they got all bent out of shape about that and we read that. But I want, you to, I, I want to camp on that for just a minute. Your sins are forgiven you. You know, the issue of sin is the most important thing Jesus ever did deal with. And I think a lot of people have this idea that our Heavenly Father is 
up in heaven and he's got this great big heavenly baseball bat and he's just waiting on Wilson or Judy or Frank or somebody to mess up. And if you mess up, boy, he's going to watch you good. And don't look at me in that tone of voice. Uh, people almost have this, uh, this concept, you know, God's going to get me. You know, God, y'all, if God was going to get you and wanted to get you, you'd done it in God. Yeah. Now, that may not be exactly the best grammar in the world, but you got that. Amen? <laughs> so, one of the things that God showed me a long time ago, and the thing is, you've got to understand something. God never winks at sin. God never says, oh, well, you know, King's X, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead and do the sin. You know what I mean? To, no matter who it was He was talking to, whether it was the, the woman caught in adultery or whether it was one of the tax collectors, and by the way, both of those sins will <laughs> do just as much damage as the other one. James 2.10 says, you know, if you offend in one point, you offend in all. You can just have a little bitty sins, kind of like I tell people a lot of times. He wants to be the one who can stand up in hell and say, I'm the best one here. Amen. But what about this whole issue of sin? You know, is God just holding things out on us? Is God just looking at us and saying, you know what, I'm just waiting on the chance to get you. No, God's not. One of my favorite passages is in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. And I don't have that on a, on a slide back there, Brandon, but let me read this to you. Most of you know the first part of it, whereas he goes into verse 17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, meaning you're saved, you're born again, you've received the Lord as Savior, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Now, you need to listen to this. Now, I know I'm quoting the King James, but that's the one I, I learned with mostly. All things are of God who hath, or I could just say has already, reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has already given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, which just simply means to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. Look at somebody and say, not imputing. Their trespasses unto them, and hath or has already committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, meaning Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All of that I know is Elizabethan English, but y'all, all the world God is saying is that in Jesus, God has laid our sin on Him, and God's not laying that sin to your account. God's not holding that sin against you. God's not sitting there saying, I'm just waiting for a chance to get you. God's saying, I've already forgiven you. And no, it's not automatic that you're going to heaven, but all you've got to do is receive that forgiveness. And you know what? You can spend eternity with God. God will come in. The power of God will come on you, and you'll be changed in a moment, and you'll have Christ in you. And, and, and you'll be a new creature. Yes. Y'all, God's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. Amen. <laughs> and Jesus is saying that the, the sin issue has been taken care of. Now, He was speaking prophetically that it would be at that point. 
But we're looking back on it. God's already done it. God's already provided forgiveness and He's already provided salvation. All we got to do is receive it. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Now, if you've never made or received Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, you know what? You can do that. And if you have and Satan's been browbeating you over something where you messed up, uh, I don't know about y'all, I've messed up since I got saved. Amen. What did you do? You'll never know. <laughs> To somebody, it might be seem terrible, and somebody else, they go, that's it. That's all you did. Yeah, but I guarantee you the devil will condemn you, and he'll put a guilt trip on you. Yes, he will. And all, y'all, we can receive forgiveness. Amen. I mean, First John 1, 9, if we sin, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do y'all realize he wrote that to the church? Hmm. Lord. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus, as they lowered this man in front of him, says, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Be of good cheer. The New Living Translation translates Jesus' words, Be encouraged, my child. Yes. The Message Bible translates it, Cheer up, son. <laughs> and then the King James says, Be of good cheer. You, you can go in some other translations, <laughs> Amplified, whatever. The idea is be of cheer. Mm-hmm. Be encouraged. And I like to paraphrase it this way. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Now the thing is, we got to understand what the word hope really means. Most people have the idea that if you're talking about hope, it's like somebody that you meet out there, you know, at at, at, uh, the convenience store or or whatever when you stop to get gas, and they're in there buying, uh, you know, using their rent money for lottery tickets. Okay, I'm meddling now. But, and, you know, and, and, and they're going, if you were to ask them, you know, they, they'd look at it and say, well, man, I am hoping that I'll win the lottery this time. I've spent half of my paycheck on lottery tickets and I never won a thing, but I'm sure hoping to this time. Well, what do they mean by hope? What they're meaning is I sure wish it happened. I don't think it will. It never happens. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And by the way, I don't believe in luck. But you know, this is the mindset of the world. Hope is usually relegated to a, oh, I sure wish it happened, but I bet it won't. That's not what the word hope even really means. And it's absolutely not what it means in Scripture when the words tell us that we have hope. That the scripture gives us hope. That we have a blessed hope, not a blessed maybe. That we have, that's the return of Jesus. That, that there is a 
hope is an anchor for our soul, it says in the book of Hebrews. Amen? Yes. But, you know, hope is, is expectancy. Hope and faith are, are linked together in Scripture. Just look it up. Do your Google due diligence. And, okay, you'll get that. Say that ten times fast. But it's, it's expectancy. It's expectancy. When we hope for Christ's return, when we hope in eternal life, it's an expectancy that God tells us is an absolute and it's going to be there. Now let's go back to the story in Matthew. Here you've got this paralytic man. And I was really kind of thinking if I had enough people here, I'd, I'd get this illustrated sermon going and I'd have five people come up here. But if I bring five people up here, I think I'm going to empty out about half the congregation. So you're going to have to use your imagination this morning. And uh, I don't know, I'll preach again sometime and, and I'll have five people up here. But let's, let's just say that, you know, I'm, you, th this was right here in front of Jesus and somebody had torn half the roof off or well a portion of the roof off and you got to kind of get this in your mind here are these four friends and number one I think it's awesome because those friends are full of faith yes. and at some point or another all of them got together I mean there's, there's a paralytic man there's four of his friends and they all had to have been talking and, and sharing and where in the world they get this idea anyway to go do that because they'd heard of the healing of Jesus and they'd heard of the, the miracles that took place and what the master would do and what the Lord would do and they got all excited and man they began to get the, their plans together and well, we're going to carry you over there yeah I heard he was going to be there in Capernaum and we're going to carry you over there you know man there's all these other you know Barnabas, Barnabas got, got healed and, and, and this other one got healed and anyway they, they would have been all excited and, and so they get there and they can't get in the door. Now here you got these four faithful friends and they're carrying the guy on his on his pallet. His, you could look at it as a gurney, a cot, whatever, however you want to kind of picture it in your head. But they've got him. And okay, that isn't going to deter us. I know the crowd's too thick and we can't get in through the door. Hey, I got an idea. We'll just go and we'll tear that tile and that stuff. That's easy to get off there. You know, when the wind blows hard, it comes off anyway. So they all cut up and they get up on the roof and they start ripping the tiles off and, and they get enough of them off and, and enough of the roof opened up and, and then they start lowering it. And all this time, Jesus is teaching. Like I said, I don't know, what's he doing? Is he retelling the story of the prodigal? And the prodigal was in this far country. <laughs> and stuff's being torn off the roof, right? You've got to get some of this stuff in your mind and, and picture it in your mind. And you've got all these stuffy religious leaders. Some of them who are already mad at him anyway. Some of them who are just questioning and don't know what to believe. And then you got some of the local people. And all this racket's going on. Do, do you really think that nobody noticed? I mean, come on. Nobody noticed the roof being torn off. Nobody noticed that 
you know, with all this noise and racket, and Jesus had to get his voice a little bit louder. <laughs> Got a future preacher back there. And you know, so here's all this going on, and then finally they lower him down, and he's, he's right down there in front of Jesus. What in the world do you think is going on in that man's mind? They started off with expectancy. We're gonna get there. We're just gonna, you know, carry him up and come around, and you know, he'll be under a tree or something. Didn't work out that way. You ever have things that didn't work out that way? And, and we're gonna get there, and Jesus is gonna to speak to him or lay his hand on him, and whoo! I mean, he's gonna get up and walk, and it's just gonna be awesome. And then they get there, and they can't even get to him, and they have to really struggle and maneuver. And then there's all this racket and all this stuff, and all of these people that are staring at him now while he's laying there in front of Jesus and he can't do a thing about it because he's paralytic and he can't get up now if he wanted to. And there he is just laying there and all of these, bless their pointed ears, people laying, you know, staring right at him. And just like, how dare you interrupt? <laughs> what world do you think is going on with this man? I just imagine if it's like anybody else, it's all of the doubts and it's all of the, I mean, just floods of thoughts of what in the world am I doing here? Why did I even think this would work? Why did I come? Oh, goodness, I'll be, you know, God, I, I, I'm, I was believing that. I mean, every kind of thought rushing through his mind like you would not believe. And that's why Jesus looks at him and the very first words out of his mouth is, Son, be a good cheer. Now you can paraphrase that in a whole lot of ways, but I think what Jesus did was look down there at him and go, Hey, son, keep expecting. Come on, keep expecting. Come on, quit looking at this. No, don't even turn your head. Keep expecting. Keep expecting. You, you came in here with hope. You started this thing with hope. You started this thing with expectancy. Come on, begin to expect again. Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to get up again. Somebody needs to begin to just go ahead and, and begin to expect God to do stuff again. Because we've got a world that is pushing against that like never before. And we've got demonic activity that is working in this world like never before to press down and to get us to where we, we just keep our eyes on the news and our eyes on all the junk that's going on. And I didn't say you have to bury your head in the sand, but there's times that you know what, you need to fast and what you need to fast. And I'm preaching to me if nobody else is you need to fast all the bad stuff and just begin to get in the Word again and just begin to let... Let hope rise up inside of you. Let faith rise up inside of you. And let expectancy begin. Oh, glory to God. Let expectancy begin to rise up in you. I remember Judy and I were, we were just babies. I think I was nearly 30. <laughs> it's amazing your perspective. But I remember God took us from Colorado Springs, Colorado 
It's a long story, and you don't want me to go through the whole story. Took us from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Took us to the Houston, Texas area, to the Woodlands, which was a new age city. And we planted a church there. Karina, I'm sure, remembers that because it was just us and our three girls. Yeah. <laughs> Put an ad in the paper and started off with 24 people who showed up and uh, never went under 24. Church runs probably about 2,000 now. But I remember in that interfaith center chapel. Man, we, we would have some powerful services. If I had, oh mercy, if I had enough time. There was one Sunday, and I don't remember if this was the same Sunday or, or a different one. We literally were accompanied. I mean, it was a group of 25 to 30. We were accompanied by angels. And everybody in that building heard them. Hmm. We had a Sunday morning. The power of God was so powerful in that building. I mean, I think back on it, it just gets me excited all over again. There were several people that were healed. I remember one young lady. I, I don't remember how old she was. She probably this young lady's age. Teenager. She came in on crutches, but her faith was such that in a bag she had brought her high heels. She came in on crutches and left on high heels. And I mean, the gifts of God's Spirit were flowing. We had different things going on, people just being set free and delivered and healed. But I remember because the service, we, we, you know, we finally closed the service and it was one of those deals, that interfaith chapel, we had to set all the chairs up, set the PA system up, and then we had to take all the chairs down, store them away and store our PA system and all the rest of it because we were one of five congregations that used that facility. And, or was it six? Yeah. And, uh, but what I remember is Church was over with, and you know, it's kind of one of those deals. And some of you'll understand this. Um, Jamie will, and probably Frida would if she's in here. Karina probably understand it. Maybe some of you will. But after the anointing has flown like that, I mean, you just feel kind of like a deflated yes. balloon. <laughs> and just you know, it was just kind of one of those deals, man. We're putting stuff away, and I was tired. We, we had this one lady, she had been Catholic. Nothing wrong with Catholics. They, they receive Jesus just like Assembly of God people do and Baptist people do and Presbyterians and everybody That's else. Because, right. you know, it's just the organization. But it, it, was just, it was just neat. I mean, she was just like a sponge. She'd come to church and just gets filled up. She couldn't stand herself. And I didn't even really notice it, but she had left early. You know, and uh, we, we were just about ready, Judy and I and the girls to lock everything up and go home. And here come, her name was Tina. 
And here she came running in with this other lady friend of hers. And she came, I mean, just almost dragging this poor lady in behind her. And, and she came up to me and she's going, Pastor, Pastor, you know, she's got X going on with her. And, and, and the doctors have said, you know, that this is something either going to require surgery or whatever it was and all this. But she said, I was telling her about what God was doing. And so I brought her for you to heal her. And I don't exactly feel like God's man of power for the hour. I mean, I'm standing there and, and I just kind of feel like a wet dish rag. But I stood there and believe it or not, there are miracles because I preached a five minute sermon on receiving healing. And I, I just explained to her how that, you know, well, during that service, now we had the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as those gifts manifested, God just sovereignly did things. And many times we see those kind of things take place. We've seen it right here in this church. But I said, you know, it, that's not the only way you can receive healing. That's not the only way you can receive deliverance. It's by faith. Many times Jesus would look at them and he would say, you know, according to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus wasn't just using repetition for the sake of repetition and so I just shared that with her and I said now we're going to pray and you you, you just, just believe that you receive just expect it well I'll give you the short version we prayed and God healed her and we got the report later of God's healing well why did you bring that story up brother Con because I think it really pertains to exactly where this is and where this man was. You know, we need to expect God's healing. And it's awesome when the gifts of the Spirit are, are, are being manifested. It's awesome when all of these things are taking place and transpiring, but what if the gifts of the Spirit aren't being manifested? Does that mean that, well, the water's not troubled? Like the man at the pool of Bethesda. Nobody put me in when the waters are troubled. No. We just expect. But Satan wants to destroy your hope and your expectancy. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants you to get your hopes up. Amen. I know this morning, yeah, I'll just, a lot of times on Sunday morning we listen to Jensen Franklin before we come to church. That man was preaching straight to me. But God spoke to me. That's not what he was preaching on. But God spoke to me and said, it's time to hope again. It's time to expect again. It's time to receive again. It's time to just believe and expect that what God has said He's going to do, God's going to do. And y'all, I feel the anointing of God in this place. We as the church and as individuals, we have been paralyzed. We're the paralytic lying down there. 
We've been paralyzed by the lies of the enemy. You'll never rise. You'll never rise to your potential. You'll never rise into where God wants you to be. You'll never rise up in your healing. You'll never rise up in ministry. You'll never rise up in your life. Your marriage will never raise itself to the level where God wants it to be. You'll never raise to the level God wants it to be. You're, you're just too... Par- it's fear. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's all of the junk that the devil throws at us. It's the cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, all of it crowds in together and the world's just pressing in and the devil's using every bit of it and he's pressing against you and pressing against you and God's saying it's time to get your hopes up. It's time to expect again. It's time to expect again. Because God's still the same God. And God wants to set us free. If we've sinned, we ask forgiveness and laugh in the devil's face. And you just keep marching forward. Because y'all, we've got, we got people to deliver and set free before Jesus does come. And that's closer than it has ever, ever been. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. It's time to expect again. Time to expect again. I want to invite you to the front. And the reason I'm going to do that is because you need to step out, because in stepping out, you release your faith. And you reject the doubt and the unbelief. You don't need more faith, you need just less doubt. God's saying to you, to me, and man, if I hadn't preached to anybody but myself, I, I preach me happy. But God's saying, get your hopes up. Expect again. Amen. Just expect again. And there's some that are, I believe, here this morning. And maybe there'll be someone who listens to this recording later. But there's some that are here right now. And the devil has... He's tried to paralyze you. Maybe he has. And God's saying, I got more for you to do. I got more for you to do. So I'm going to give you an invitation this morning to just come before the Lord. You can kneel at this altar. You can come and stand. Whatever way you feel impressed. But I want you to come and let expectancy, let hope rise up in you again. Amen. If you need prayer, want someone to pray with you, I'll pray with you. But you may want to just come and just, Lord, I'm just coming to you. Because it's Jesus who's here right now. The power of God's presence. God's saying to you and to me, get your hopes up. Will you come? Father, say, will you come?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Oh uh-huh. 
Come on, that'll be our dismissal. Sing.